0: Uh, welcome to Leave No Doubt. I've been joined by current Southampton Under-18s manager Mikey Harris. Mikey, how are you doing? Very well. How are you, Joe? Very well, mate. Yeah, thank you for inviting me into your home. This nice little, nice little hideaway that you've got in, <laughs> in the garden. Yeah, it's good. Yeah,
1: thanks. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm really, uh, really grateful to speak to you.
0: Uh appreciate it, mate. To get us started, um, I thought I'd quickly like to give some people a little bit of perspective into, into you, obviously, and, and let them know as well as playing after you'd retired. Um, you've had Coach of as Salisbury manager, um, Portsmouth under-18s manager, uh, Brighton's 18s assistant, England 18s and 19s assistant, uh, and most recently now, obviously, working with the Southampton under-18s. So you've had a lot of experience, obviously, working with that young uh, 18 age bracket. Um, what are your overriding uh, you know, feelings, thoughts, and and I guess the philosophy that you've managed to come up with over that time?
1: Cool. yeah so it's, it's a massive question um, I think uh, I think the first thing for me is you, you're dealing with um, I guess the the adolescent brain first and foremost so when you're working with under 18s um, you know you, you're dealing with uh, lads that have just finished school so 16 17 so they're aspiring to be professional footballers and they're dealing with all of the stuff that that comes with being in in that age Um you know, the, the changes that go on in your mind and your body, uh, during that period are probably more profound than any, any time in your life. So, um, it's a, it's a really interesting period to, to deal with, um, with, with these boys. And I guess with that comes like quite a, quite a big responsibility as well to help, um, you know, shape them as they, as they move into adulthood. So I guess that's something that, over the years, like I, said, I think I've been doing this sort of age group for about 10 years now. Um, and I think it's really easy to get kind of bogged down with uh, trying to make them the best footballers they can and looking at the tactics and the technical side of it. But ultimately I think the first thing we have to do is try and help them to develop as, as human beings um, establish who they are um, help them to, to understand and, and develop that self awareness first and foremost, and I think once you've done that and you've built a connection and some trust with those players, then you can start to to develop them on the pitch um I think this is like one of one of the things um that I always try and think about and keep keep in my mind and this is a really cheesy quote, so I apologize but um you know they they don't they don't care what you know until they know you care. I think that's a really, really important, important thing to remember for for us working in this this age group and any age group with any other human being um, for that part. So I think for me, it's uh, how do we how do we acknowledge that they're in a challenging space in their in their lives? It's a really important time in their development. So we acknowledge that we're aware of that we help them to to develop their self awareness and their their ability to reflect and learn and then build the trust so you can then use that to to support and challenge them at the right times because you know yourself having having been through it the the ruthlessness of the industry and and what they're trying to go into and and the the small numbers that make it through it, it's really 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 tough um so we have to provide them with support but also you have to be able to to challenge them and have really difficult conversations and and sometimes be quite forthright with them um and for me you have to develop that trust and that understanding that you you appreciate them as a human being first and foremost and then once you've got those foundations in place then you can start to to build on the on the football stuff
0: I think this conversation, Mikey, is gonna be quite you know, quite nice really because not only are you gonna give us loads of information on your perspective of young players and, and what's attractive about them and, and what might not be and um and give us a real insight into how people can be successful at that age, but it's a real insight as well for coaches um of all ages. Young coaches are obviously aspiring to work in academies, um, to work with national teams like you have done, um, about this crucial age of, you know, that sixteen to eighteen. 1920 20, um, that you've got so much experience with because first team players, obviously, uh, you know, you're not often coached as a first team t- player to become better. You're just coached to win a, a game on a match day. Right. So I think I might start with asking you, you know, from your coaching perspective, what do you think it is about you specifically that's been able to be very successful at working with guys at that age, you know, for the last nine or 10 years? Um, It's a
1: really good question. Uh, and and thank you for saying that I've been successful. Um, I'm sure I could have, um, done a lot of things differently and, and, and much better. Um, but I've I've been very grateful to work with incredible people, staff wherever I've been. Um, and also some, some excellent players who are also really, really good people. So I think, um, you know, you're you're only as successful as as uh, as the individuals that you've got around you and the individuals that you're working with. So so first and first and foremost, I think that um, forms, uh, I, I guess, part of my success, if you like. <laughs> um, I've never really thought about it like that, but yeah, it's um, yeah. I think I think that the the people that you have around you, it's it, it's not whatever one person that that helps to develop a player to get through a a pathway into playing a first team. There's so many people that have an influence on that player. And, you know, you look at the environment I work in at the moment, we're so fortunate to have unbelievable experts in all areas of the game. And, you know, the players have got access to that. And I think it's just encouraging them and making them aware that you've got all these people who want to help you and who have outstanding knowledge like tap into them. Um, And I think that's, you know, if I, if I reflect back wherever I've worked, there's been those people throughout the different disciplines, whether that's sports science, whether that's psychology, whether that's um, analysis, all those, all those things come together to, to help create, the player that almost kind of comes out the other end. So, I think utilizing the resources that are available. If you're in, you know, a top academy, it's all there for you. you. You've got, you've got it, and then ultimately, it's it's the player's understanding that it's up to them from that point on.
0: I know it's difficult, and and most of the guys actually I've spoke to, Mikey, it's difficult because I speak to so many good people that find it very difficult to stroke their own ego. So I'm asking you a question of what it is about you that, you know, is able to, you know, has allowed you to coach such high levels of academies. Because, you know, a lot of young coaches, you know, older guys who've been in the game for a long time aspire to work within these environments that you have mm-hmm. done. It wasn't like you started in there. Obviously, the, like Salisbury manager and then Portsmouth of 18s manager, of category three academy. Um, so there is obviously, you know, uh, I know you're not going to like speaking about yourself, but there is obviously something about you and the way that you coach and the, and the way that you manage these young guys that's that's attractive to to you know to academies that are trying to produce young players so you know it's probably you know to to ask you again instead of maybe not obviously the the environment of of a top and elite academy but as you as a coach specifically if people are trying to emulate what well, you know a, a little bit of your career and and get these jobs that are working with young players what do you think the attributes that you do have um you know i've worked out so well with you know with these guys especially in the elite academies
1: um so i guess uh, during my life i've had a huge amount of time on the grass um coaching all age groups all abilities um you know from from grassroots like working with I even did a toddlers session at one point in my in my coaching journey um you know right through to to senior professionals who have played at the top level Um, and I don't think there's a shortcut to that. So I think that's one thing that I'm, when I reflect on my journey so far, I started coaching um, when I was 15, 16, I I found, uh, I found an interest in it and almost ever since then I've been coaching pretty much every, every day of my life. Um, As I say, at various levels, various, uh, various situations, different sports. Um, When I was younger, different age groups, different levels. Um, You know, when I had my own coaching business, I was doing after school clubs. I was doing holiday schools. I was doing birthday parties, one-to-one sessions, group sessions, sessions with one kid, sessions with 40 kids, you know, like all, all of these, all of these opportunities help you to refine your, your skills as a coach. Um, And I guess, you know, communication, session design, all those sorts of things. You you can't for me you can't shortcut that. And I think we live in a in a world now where there's so much accessibility to to everything. You, you know, if um if anyone wants to go and do a session on I don't know playing out from the back, you can go on YouTube and and you can have a million sessions at your at the click of a button. Um, And I think we're we're, we're in a danger of people almost sort of coaching by numbers and and going and and sourcing those sorts of things. And maybe you see a session that Pep's done, you know, and and you you get access to that and you try and do it with your players. And I think the problem with that is, um, one, it's not your session. So it's not authentic to you. So I would question whether you have a deep understanding of the why, the how, the what within that session. Um, and also it might not be appropriate for the context that you're working in. So what might be appropriate for for Pep Guardiola working with world-class players at Man City won't be appropriate for, um, you know, a, a grassroots team at, uh, under nines, for example. Obviously, that's a extreme example. But I, I think the point I'm trying to make is... Um, have to be really really authentic and I don't think you can lag it it would be my would be my statement because you know being a player yourself um you, you, you get worked out pretty quickly
0: 100% Yeah, players can can almost immediately spot a coach who's trying to cut corners to, to those who aren't um if you you know you've just spoken there about uh, starting a 15, 16 years old coaching and, um, and have you almost developed, you know, do you think you were, point I'm trying to make is, do you think you were ready to, to work with young guys back then or, or over that space of time, you've really developed into the, you know, that philosophy to work with young guys now?
1: Yeah, it's a really, a really good question. Um, So I guess another Another quote that I heard once, I love I love magpie and quotes, you'll probably tell, I'll try and drop a few in on this because I it's think you know, they're really yeah. they're really good for, for people to take away is um you know, you don't become experienced without experiences. I think is a really you know, is a really a, a profound statement. So I'm really grateful and really fortunate that I've had so many experiences, so many varied experiences, so many opportunities to to work in different spaces and try different things and um, I guess what I always have had and always will have is like a, a relentless desire to improve, um, to learn, to get better, to, um, you know, just, just find find a way to, to stay, um, almost with the curve ahead of the curve, however you want to, however you want to phrase it really just, just constantly trying to improve and, you know, one one thing I have learned over over the years, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're a member of staff, whatever, it, the the minute you think you've cracked it, that's when you're dead. That is when you are gone because the game moves so fast, life moves so fast. You know, look at look at the changes that we've had over over the past few few years in the in the world. You, you know, technology moves so fast. Again, I, I look at when I started coaching, it was. Um, you know a pen and paper some some x's and o's um you know maybe maybe a tactics board you know fast forward a few years and you know we've got um videos of session plans animations um video footage from different angles um you've got uh, coach paint which you know can can um can annotate a video you got you've got all this technology Sort of available, which is so so accessible. So, like the games, the, the the, how you coach and and the the resources that are available now is is completely different to even ten years ago, five years ago, maybe. Um, so I think that's that's fascinating, and you know, it's how do you how do you utilise all those resources without losing you know, the core fundamentals of coaching and, and, and making people better because all those things are great. Um, as long as you've got a real clear why as to, as to why you're using them and, and, and how it can help. So I think it's easy again, it's easy to, to hide, hide behind those sorts of things. You can put on a, you know, a dazzling PowerPoint presentation or, um, create a fantastic um, video debrief. But if you can't connect with the players and get them to buy in and to commit to what it is they're trying to achieve in their journeys and, and how you want that to look within your context, then, you know, that's just all bells and whistles. There's no substance to it. So I think for me, it's, as coaches, particularly at the level that we're working, we're very fortunate to, to have those resources is how do you, uh, how do you make the, the the most of them and still have the foundations and, and, and the, um, the core things that you need to, to help these players be successful.
0: I think obviously throughout this conversation, mate, we'll be able to flip in and out of, um, I guess your, you know, your advice for, for coaches um, your opinions on on how you work and and how that can obviously give people any you sort of like key takeaways as to how they can approach sessions with their players, but also you know that angle that you have worked with young players for a long time. I'm hoping that parents and, and young players listen to this and it might be have uh, you know a huge influence on on what they think and what they do. so to get into that a little bit, um you know i have worked so long with young players at different category levels of, of academy can you pinpoint straight away attributes you've noticed um, from the guys that do make it to the ones that don't?
1: Yeah. Um, there's certainly a few consistent themes for me. Um, you know, it's really clear and, and you hear, hear the term bound, banded around a lot, but you know, talent is not enough and it really isn't, you know, some of the most talented players that I've worked with have not fulfilled their potential um and you compare that to to maybe some of the boys that, that didn't have that either raw technical ability or um you know some of the physical attributes that maybe maybe other players had but they they find a way to be um effective on the football pitch and they find a way to develop trust from their coaches and their teammates and go on to have, you know, really good careers. Um, and in some cases, outstanding careers. So I think character is huge, huge. Um, because ultimately when you get to a first team environment, you you know, as well as I do, if the manager doesn't trust you, um, and I use the word trust in the context of, um, to deliver on on the football pitch in in terms of what, what the philosophy or what the, the game plan is on, on that day for managers and trust you, you're not playing. It doesn't matter how good you are or how good you think you are or what your attributes are. So gaining that trust of a, of a coach and a manager, having the character that um, people want to give you an opportunity is, is a big thing. And I've certainly worked with players who don't value that. And they think that their, their talent will, will be enough and, and ultimately they'll they'll get there at some point. Um and quite often they don't. Um so so character is, is huge. Um
0: Can you coach character, do you think?
1: Mm, it's a fantastic question. Um I guess I think you can shine a light on the importance of it and be really clear with, with how important it is and, and try different ways to help players to understand that um, and sometimes that takes time a, a, a long time and you know again we'll, we'll all say it won't we uh, about certain players are oh, the pennies dropped you hear that said a lot you know or, or they've worked it out and I think um, you know in our environment we have to try and help them to work that out um, and also accept that it might take a little bit longer than we want because as I say, people develop at different times.
0: I want to try and focus on, on that word that you use character. You know, I'll ask you the question again do you think character can be coached or or do you think it has to be learned by experiences? And, you know, recently I sort of uh, allude to I had a conversation with a friend probably back in the last season, really. And the conversation was, do you think you can teach somebody mental toughness, a young player mental, mental toughness, or do you think that you have to go through experiences after to, to learn that? And character's obviously a similar thing, isn't it? And, you know, where do you stand on, on whether character can be coached or, or whether it's just within somebody?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic question and a, and a really complicated one, I would say, because obviously human beings in their nature are in, are inherently complex and um, uh, unique. So what may work for one player uh, or one person won't necessarily or, or almost certainly won't work for for someone else. So um, I think it's our role to help almost kind of shine a light on the importance of character and um, try and give them experiences, try and show them, you know, the why behind it, why it's important, how it's going to help them. Because if we do that, then ultimately it's, it's up to them. And it always, it always is. Ultimately, you know, um, you sometimes, Sometimes you feel like you're you're banging your head against a brick wall, you know, with, with certain players. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should give up. Um, we should just try and try different ways to to communicate the same message. Really. So for me, it's about the consistency of of the message, but doing it in a way where you're if it doesn't kind of land with a player when you're saying it the same way, then you have to try a different way or, or, or a different method or maybe a different person, um, giving the same message. So it's, um, it's really, really complicated. Can you, can you coach it? I guess you can't put it into someone. I believe that everyone's got it in them. Um, I think every, every human being has, 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 the potential for, for excellence and it's how, you know, how do we help them to, to draw it out of themselves is, is the challenge. And that's, you know, that's what motivates me to, to do what I do every day, you know, cause that's what I, I want to do. I want to help people to be the best versions of themselves. And, um, I guess what I've learned over the years is probably, uh, earlier on in my coaching journey, I'd have wanted to give them all the answers And I wanted to make it as easy as I possibly can for them and, and and give them loads of clarity. Um, And what I've learned over the years that actually it's possibly not the best way. It was probably not the best way because it's about them having the tools to, to draw on from within themselves to, to be successful. And, you know, as a coach, or a member of staff, you want to give them that clarity because you want them to have the success and you want to, to give them the answers to, to kind of get them towards their, you know, their, their goal or, or, or their, um, you know, the next stage of their development as quickly as possible. But I think we have to be comfortable with the, um, the uncertainty and the, and, and, and the, and the chaos and the ambiguity, that's uh, surrounds kind of like developing young, young players. So it's a really complicated, really, really interesting kind of um, aspect of, of development is, is trying to develop character.
0: There's almost no right or wrong answer to, to it really is there because you just, you hope that obviously players developers as, uh, as and when they, they can. However, you know, you're in a position where, you know, you're ultimately trying to produce players for the first team. There's the introduction, um probably with you know within your coaching career of the the under 21s and the 23s that allows that you know that extra bit of time for players to develop but ultimately decisions on young players do get made so how long really obviously from your perspective in the position that you're in how long do players get to realize if they do have those you know correct attributes or or not how much how much time can you give a kid
1: uh, again it's a really fascinating question and you know, I apologize because probably some of these the answers to these questions are are you know probably will be considered vague and, and a little bit kind of sitting on the fence, but it, it genuinely it does depend on, on each individual. Um you know, some you know, some players uh develop well, all players develop at different rates, physically, um, emotionally, um, psychologically. So I think for us it's about establishing over a period of time. Um, I can't give you like a, a an exact figure in terms of months or years or or whatever. It's, 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 it's utilizing all the information that we have at our disposal to, to make a, an informed decision at, at that time. Um, with the humility and the understanding that, um, that decision might might be considered a, a wrong decision. Um, I have a probably like a, I guess maybe like a slightly controversial um, view on this in terms of, you know, like the retain and, and release um, system, which is obviously part and parcel of, of, of academies. Um, you know, I, I look at the success of some, players that have been released um, at varying stages in their careers. And, you know, I, I always wonder, and we'll never know, never know the answer. Um, but I always wonder whether those players would have been as successful if they'd uh, stayed at the club that they were at. I think uh, a release whilst at the time can, can feel... Uh, you know, devastating for a young person, um, can ultimately be the I guess the bump in the road or the or the bit of adversity that they need to then kick on and, and, and go forward. Um so I don't think you can necessarily make a wrong decision in those situations. As long as your decision is made, um with the right intention to do what's right for, for that young person that you're, you're dealing with. And as long as you've utilized all the information at your disposal, and it's not an emotional decision, for example, that's been made with, with one, you know, by one person, um, you know, I I have to say at Southampton, we have an incredible sort of process when it comes to these sorts of decisions, a, a really, Robust audit process that, you know, a lot of, um, very clever, um, very experienced people have put together over the years and it's evolved and it continues to evolve to this day. Um, so that we're able to, to make really, really informed decisions on players, um, to try and make the best decision for them. Cause I think it's easy to be really simplistic and say that, you know, from from an ego perspective, like, oh, they're always better off if they if they stay and they get contracts and they're with us another year. That's that's not always true. Some players need to go and experience somewhere else or they need that adversity to to maybe give them that added motivation or that or that reality check sometimes um to take them out of their comfort zone because, you know, we know that players and people learn the most when they're, you know, that zone of proximal development to use to use a um, technical term that, that just being slightly out of your comfort zone, but not so far out that you're kind of, you're drowning. Um, Maybe, you know, sometimes players need that.
0: It's so fascinating that, you know, that that's, you mentioned that because I think of all the guys that I've spoken to and, and most recently I've had conversations with, um, you know, just to roll some names off the top of my head, Charlie Daniels who ended up Premier League player. Matt Ritchie ended up as a Premier League player. Um, Marlon Pack, uh, you know, was played at the top of the championship. Just those three, just just off the top of my head. All three of them talk about how being released at some point in their career, Charlie Daniels, I think was in Tottenham's reserve team and ends up going to Leighton Orient because he can't break through. Marlon Pack's in Portsmouth's first team, can't break through, goes to Cheltenham. Matt Ritchie saying Portsmouth's first team, can't break through, goes to Swindon. And those moments where those guys actually, you know, suffer and almost every single player that I've spoken to has some sort of hardship that they've had to get over. I think it really separates um, guys who end up having careers and, and people who don't. Um, because I don't I don't really, I don't know of anyone really who's just had complete lift off and, and a straight line curve to success in, in their career, especially in their young career. How challenging is it for you, you know and it's interesting that because we're getting your coaching perspective and and also you know from the perspective of the young player but from the coaching perspective it's very difficult position I can imagine to be like right we've, we've got to release this young man um, but we think that this might be the moment mm. that he actually goes on to have a successful career are you aware that that could happen before you say release a player or, or is it only when afterwards you think you know what yeah we always thought he had something about him and that was the moment that that ended up sort of the catalyst of, of this ambition.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's loads to unpick there. I think, I think I I start with, um, the first thing which I, I picked up on, which you said there, which is in terms of players that you spoke about, no, no one's had a, you know, I guess a straight line journey, which is, um, you go from A to B. You start in there, or very rare. Like, it's very, very rare. Um, very, very rare. Um, and I guess uh, it's always fascinating as well, isn't it? When we 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 talk about we have, you know, development development plans, individual development plans, um, for players, and we might have a plan in terms of what their um, what what they're like next year, two years, three years, four years. You know what we'd like it to look like. Um. And I think, by the way, it's really important that we have that. Um, I think I think it's 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 really well intentioned, and I think that is, you know, that that is what you're striving for, and that is what you, you you hope to happen. At the same time, as coaches, as practitioners, we have to be aware that the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim, and the the reality is that rather than the journey being like that, it's gonna be ups and downs, injuries. You know, poor performances, great performances, opportunities to play in maybe a higher age group, maybe opportunities to train with the first team and then back into their own age group. Maybe for some players, it's more appropriate for them to play in the age group below. Maybe they have to train with the age group below. Maybe they have to go out of the building for a loan. Like all of these things help to move the player forward, even if they feel like, it's, it's a tough suffering. thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's that balance of, of making sure we have a plan and we have, we have an intention for these players, but also accepting that we're going to have to be adaptable and they're going to have to be adaptable. And, and we're going to have to find different solutions to, to try and move them closer to fulfilling their potential. And of course the, the other thing is you, you, you never, you know, we always talk about it. We try and get you there. Well, where's there, you know, like, you know, we want to produce players for our first team. OK, so we produce a player. He comes on for the first team. Is he there? You, you and I know he's not, right? So he's not. He, he's not there. Of course, he's not there because he's played one game for the first team. So then, OK, then then the debate is, well, OK, what, what is it? Is it, ten, is it 10 games in the first team? Has he made it? 50? 100? What, what? You know where? So where is it?
0: Daryl Clark used to say, 100, unless you've not played a hundred league games, you've you've not got anywhere near it." That's what he yeah. used to say.
1: Clark, he's usually got some quite clear um, opinions on stuff like that, and yeah, you, you know, you could you could debate that that that's that's appropriate. Maybe maybe it is a hundred games, but
0: again, there's no right or wrong, is there? There's no right
1: or wrong, and, and you know, we always talk about like we we, we got to, we got to get there, but you know, look, look, it's it's a journey, isn't it? A, a career of a footballer, you know your life is a journey it's not there's no there's no destination that you get to and you go all right yeah cracked it now I'm here because as I said at the start of the conversation you do that that's when when you're
0: done a lot of the successful guys never really get there and that's the reason why they are successful um one thing I wanted to pinpoint out you know of what you've just said is because working within elite academies obviously these development plans for for kids over two three four five years that coaches work towards, you know, without any guarantee of success is obviously given to them. How powerful do you think it is or, you know, how good practice do you think it is that kids that aren't in academies necessarily they're playing grassroots football or, or they might be in, you know, elite football teams, but not necessarily in academy yet that they create their own development plan or, or they speak to their parents, you know, whoever's involved in their football, they try and have conversations about this is where I'd like to be and, and you know, they set those goals, set those ambitions. Do you think there's, you know, quite a powerful, powerful message in that?
1: Oh, for sure. And, and you know, just, just for clarity, we, we certainly don't um, sort of give give the players their plans. They own them. You know, they, they own them. They're part of that process. Um, we support them using our, you know experience and and the expertise that we've got through throughout the the interdisciplinary teams at, at the football club ultimately is it's their plan they own it they have to drive it um and that's no different whether you're in an academy or or, or outside of an academy and you want to you want to be the best version of yourself as a, as a footballer um yeah i would encourage any young player that wants to to be the best version themselves to, you know, have a real clear aim, you know, what, what is it that you want to achieve? Um, short term, midterm, term. -term. um, how are you, what do you need to to help you to, to achieve those goals and, and how do you go about it? And, And also who, who do you need? Because you can't do it on your own. In my opinion, um, I think it's, I think it's a really um, it's a really difficult one because you've got to take ownership for what you're doing and responsibility and and ultimately you're accountable and you're going to need other people as well. You're going to need support. You're going to need expertise because you won't have necessarily all the answers. Um, you've got the potential within you, but you're going to need some some help to to draw that out. So I think it's it's about being responsible, accountable, and taking ownership of your plan, and then working out what you need to draw on to to help move you towards your next goal, whilst always remembering that it's not going to be smooth, it's not going to be straightforward. You're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to overcome. You're going to have to find different ways. You're going to fail a lot. You know, I think if there's there's any message for for a young player is you know, fail forward. You have, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. That is, that is inevitable. Like the best players in the world do not go through 90 minutes of football without giving the ball away, without making a mistake. No one does. So, um, you have to accept those mistakes, reflect on them, learn from them, whether that's in the moment or, 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 afterwards. And then those, those mistakes serve to make you better. And I think that's the, that's the hardest thing for a young player is, you know, you give the ball away and you think, um, I'm no good now. And it's like, no, come on, like, that's your ego. You, you know, you just you just don't like giving the ball away because you don't want to look like you've given the ball away and you've done something wrong. So it's dealing with those things. But, it, you know, it might be that you've tried a quite a difficult forward pass where you're trying to take out two lines and you give it away you might try it again and you give it away you might try it again and you give it away It might take you 20 30 times and then you execute that forward pass on the on the 30th time you don't you don't execute that 30, the number 30 unless you've done the first 29 right and obviously that's a, a quite a simplistic yeah. example because it might not necessarily be the 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 best decision to have made at that time but my point is you have to make You know, speak to the boys about positive mistakes, you know, trying to do the right thing, trying to maybe play forward or or, or whatever it is that links to to your philosophy as as a club or a coach. Do those things and be positive and be committed to it. And if you make an error, like learn, learn from it. That's what it's about. There's no, there's no, there's no one person that's kind of like just cracked it without going through a series of failure that, you know, there's countless, countless examples in football, countless examples in life. Um, And I think it's so difficult for us as like grown adults with fully matured brains to accept kind of like making mistakes. Sometimes we all get frustrated. It will get annoyed when you make a mistake and it, it, it dents your ego. I think, you know, I'm certainly not a, certainly not sort of a, a, a psychologist or um, a neuroscientist or anything like that, but I try and try and educate myself as best as I can around it. And, you know, that must be sort of 10, 20 fold for a, for a young adolescent brain. Those, those kind of like um, ego hits when you do make a mistake and everyone's watching you and you've got all this pressure of trying to become a professional footballer. So, you know, it's tough, it's tough for these lads. It's really, really tough
0: that that word that you've used there responsibility at, at the start and, and trying to take responsibility for for your own stuff um something that i was excited to speak to you about um and you know obviously going through your your coaching career and trying to uh think of of the best way to obviously get your thoughts and opinions out that you've worked with young players now through probably the the transition from old school to modern day football um, and how young players are, are treated. You obviously work now in arguably one of the country's most successful academies that's produced some of the best players, you know, actually in the world. Um, Southampton's under 18s is always well known for an academy that people want to be in. Um, and the reason why I mention this is because recently, you know, having conversations with, with guys now at football clubs, especially mine and, and others who are older, who are younger is, you know, that perspective of, of a young player and the perspective um, that fans have of young players is now always the, the message that you hear is they get too much too soon. Hmm. What is, you know, in your opinion, having worked or, or are working in that environment, what do they mean by given too much? Um, hmm. And how do you think that the game has shifted for young players in, you know, in the period of time that you've been involved in that, in that level?
1: Yeah another fascinating kind of discussion. We could probably speak for an hour about that, all of these, all of these things. So, um, yeah, what's, what's changed? Um, too much too soon. I guess it's probably in relation to some, some of that would probably be to, in, in relation to like the financial side, I think. So, um, there's, it's it's a highly competitive industry now for, for young English players, particularly or or British players since Brexit. Um, I think, you know, there's less opportunity to recruit from around Europe. So so obviously that drives the, the competition and and the market up. So you've probably got young players that are earning significant amounts of money, um, that they maybe wouldn't have been in it not, not too long ago. Um, so I think that the levels of, of wages and the, the time at which they get that is probably like a, a, strand of, of that too much too soon. Cause I think, you know, not, not that long ago, you'd have probably had to have certainly, you know, played in the first team to achieve, you know, a, a decent contract. And now you've, you've got some players throughout the, throughout the country and, and and at Premier League clubs that are probably getting paid significant amounts of money based on their potential rather than what they've actually achieved. And I think, you know, probably, I, I don't know when, when it changed or obviously it doesn't change overnight. It's, there's a gradual period of time but say like even for for our age we're not we're not like really old are we (laughs) yet but um you know when we were young players like you would have had to have to earn the sorts of money that some young players uh, uh, are being paid now you'd have had to have I guess done something at, at senior level um so I think that's uh that's a challenge. That's a challenge for the for these young players, and I think too much gets um, leveled at them. Like it's not their fault, and, and I think you know they're they're just experiencing and going through their journey as it as it is right now. And it's 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 a dangerous thing, and you know to to compare to the past, and you know you can become really you can become really bitter with 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 stuff like that, can't you? I think, and it's really it's a really dangerous kind of. Um, area to get into when you start comparing finances and, and, and those sorts of things but it's um it's a big change you know it's a big change that players are, are like I say being paid really really decent um, wages having probably in the eyes of fans for example like that, that they haven't done enough um, they haven't achieved anything they've not they've not shown anything to warrant those sorts of of money, So I think that's, that's one strand of it, the financial thing, which obviously always, you know, always kind of riles people up, doesn't it? Um, I guess the, the other thing that I think has changed incredibly in such a short space of time is just the way society is now. And, you know, the fact that you've got instant gratification in, in all aspects of your life, you, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to work as hard as, um as you know, you would have had to in in the past. And, you know, no one likes that person that goes, Oh, back in the day I had to do this and all that sort of stuff. And certainly, um you know, we're fortunate enough to, to grow up in the generation that we grew up in. If you think about our, you know, our parents, our grandparents and, and what they had to go through compared to, you know the the hardships that we talk about of young people these days is it's, it's not it's not comparable um but I think that that instant gratification that's come into society um does mean that that young people feel like they can they can access what they want you know really quickly and, and straight away and it that that almost transfers into their football experience so it's like well I can have what I want. At the press of a button on my smartphone so whatever i want what food i want what film i want to watch what um clothes i want to buy i can have them tomorrow right and and it's just there i think that plays a part in their psyche in terms of okay right i'm out of school i'm now full time in the building as a professional footballer like i i could be in the i should be in the first team like i should be in the first team now like or, or, or in a week's time i shouldn't have the Have to wait? Why have I got to wait? You know, and I think there's um, some real challenges for young young people around that because you know football. You're gonna have to you have to earn it, and you have to go through a lot to get to that point where you set foot on a on a first team football pitch.
0: There was a lot of you know, there's a lot of debate actually, Mikey, on um, because I think I'm in the last. A bracket of age group of players, me and had a conversation, you know, and it's fresh in my mind because, uh, you know, Marlon's um, podcast that we recorded together released this week and, and we spoke about it and we're probably the last age group that had to do the jobs. Like when older pros now tell young players, oh, I had to clean this player's boots, clean this player's boots. And I had to brush the changing rooms, collect the balls and the, uh, all this, all that that now no longer exists. And, and if, you know, well, you say that, as it come back in, <laughs> it certainly does exist at our place. Oh, but that, um, I mean, that's, I think that's amazing because the, you know, Marlon had spoken about, it, how, you know, he's a, he's played at a high level. He's not playing the Premier League, but he's played at the top of the championship for a long time. He's had a great career. And he said that those early experiences of being around the first team, but having to, you know, clean up after them or, or click the balls on a match day, collect the training, um, you know, equipment, Clean the players' boots, all made him humble enough, uh, and also allowed him to really appreciate when he got to the level that he was in the first team. Whereas it's coming out of the game now, obviously, you know, it's great to get an insight, obviously, that what the savant players do and and mm. what sort of impact you think that has on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think credit to um, like our senior leadership team at the club, Matt Crocker, Matt Hale. Um, they they've actually potentially brought it back in. Um, so the lads, uh, the scholars, um, clean first in players boots and they have a, they have a player, which, you know, we've intentionally kind of paired them with that we, we hope, um, and certainly we're seeing sort of little, little signs of it now where they're developing a connection with that player. And hopefully there's some mentoring type um advice type experience sharing that that can go on from from those senior players and as you said yourself that that sort of stuff is 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 gold dust um and you know also our, our, our scholars all have jobs i mean certainly uh i'm not going to sit here and say it. it's akin to you know what we would have gone through in terms of um cleaning the stat, you know, sweeping the stands, (laughs) cleaning the toilets, all all that stuff, you know, it's not to that level. Um, You know, it's, um, but I don't think, I don't necessarily think that's a problem. I think it's more being accountable for something, um, for having to take responsibility and, and, and contribute something is, is, is the key. Um, doesn't have to be as extreme as it was for, 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 you know, like it was for us, or even certainly, um, players before us. Um, just having that, that responsibility is, is, is really important. As you say, I think it helps develop humility, um, as well as sort of a gratitude for the environment they've got because, you know, the, I mean, it, it, it's incredible, like what what they have access to and the resources. You know, the food, the kit, the level of pitches that they're playing on, the level of expertise around the the staff, the level of care they get from player care. You know, support they get in terms of education. You know, the trips and tours they get to go on, um, the opportunities that they get are you know they're incredible and. You know, going back to your point about players being you know being released I think it's it's almost like a, a player gets released and they go "Oh, well, you know like the club clubs release me you know can't believe it blah 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 and it's like well hold on let if you reflect back and look at what this this club's provided you know I'm not just speaking about Southampton I'm speaking about clubs in general um you know all the opportunities that have been afforded to those young players and the level of investment um that goes in to giving them those experiences is, is significant. Um, so yeah, I I think, um, it is that that balance you want them to have all the resources that they need to, to turn their, their potential into excellence. And you want them to remain humble and grateful for those, for those things.
0: So what do you, do? you know, it's a very difficult. And I've, I've asked you a lot of questions that are sort of, there's no right or wrong. I know it's your opinion and and it's sort of it's easy to to be vague because people aren't going to be able to listen to this and, and say, oh, you know, that's the secret. That's what I need to do. But, you know, across the space of the, the period of time that you work with the players in, you know, the two, three-year contracts, whatever they get when they leave school, what are the outstanding behavioural habits of the guys who don't make it?
1: Ones who don't make it, um, they probably lack humility, first and foremost. They probably lack um, self-awareness because they might have a perception of of where they are in terms of on their journey or, or what they need to do and that perception might not match up with... Probably the perception of the staff or the club, and I think when you get big discrepancies there, it's a problem because maybe I, I I'm a 17 year old player and I think I'm here and I'm you know close to the 23s and you know I might be you know I might be wanting an opportunity in the first team you know when when really you know there's players that are above that level or you know a coach feels like you're actually more here that that can that can be a problem and i think also one of the challenges is i think that everyone every player expects an opportunity and the challenge is you want them to have an opportunity and they have to earn it and i think some players drift through their scholarship just thinking I, well, I'm going to get an opportunity at some point. You know, I've got two years, got an opportunity. I'm going to get an opportunity. And, you know, my kind of, I guess, message to, to any player, any school, whether it's a scholar, whether it's a player playing grassroots, like every, every moment is an opportunity. Every single day, every day in training, every day in the gym, every, you, you've got an opportunity every single day to do something in a moment that someone goes, I like that. Come and do this. Or, Oh, I like that. They could do this. But for me, the ones that don't progress are the ones that just almost feel entitled to an opportunity, regardless of what they do or, um, are waiting for it to happen. You know, I think, um, John McDermott talks about something called a uh, Kairos Kairos time, which again, I'm probably not going to explain it as well as him. Um, but my understanding of it is that you never know when your opportunity is going to come, but when it does, you got to be ready. So, um, you know, chronological time, as we understand, it just goes from one moment to moment and minute to minute, hour to hour. But that Kairos time could come anytime. And if you're not ready and you don't take it, then, you know, maybe you don't get another chance.
0: I think it's, you know, so many important messages, mate, that, that we're being able to take away from you. And I think something that's super important is the relationship the players have with their parents, right? And because they have, you know, a, a massive influence ultimately on their career and, and their personalities, we're talking about things mostly mental really we've not sort of touched on on technical ability which i think is almost like a, you know a minimum requirement for for an academy player but all these mental things i think separate really the guys who, who go on to have careers and, and who don't and that relationship with parents um because you know i i know that parents uh, listen to these podcasts i've had parents reach out to me and, and talk about the influence that it's had on their on their young kids which is great um but especially in that age or when you're trying to develop a young player that parental relationship is massive, and you know, mine never really put any pressure on me, but they certainly supported me. I, I, you know, I feel like in in a positive way. Actually, have intentions of of getting another microphone and sitting down with my parents and actually discussing my youth career and and what was good and what wasn't. Yeah,
1: that'd be brilliant.
0: Um But how, in your opinion, you know, in in the position that you're in, because again, there's no right or wrong, but how can parents create that environment where they they're teaching their child to be, you know? humble and um to not have this ego and to not you know expect success straight away because actually when they're away from the football club they're away from their coaches and they're surrounded by their parents who you know as we know as modern day football is going the parents are sometimes wanting it more than the child and they put enormous amounts of pressure on them and and actually they might watch a game where their child's not performed very well but they're in the car they tell them I thought you were brilliant best player on a pitch go to the coach my son's the best You know how? I know it's a vague question, but how can parents really support their child in the Mm -hmm. in the best way? Do you think?
1: Well, that's that's probably um, I I think that's probably the the clearest answer I'll give you today. Really, I mean, is um, I think it's imagine how difficult it is for a young player who's trying to learn all the the intricacies and the and the and the complex nature of. being a better footballer in in a you know 11v11 11 11 or 9v9 9 7v7 9, 7 7, whatever whatever the age group is um invasion game which is constantly changing for 80 or 90 minutes so that's hard enough um they'll be getting information from the coaches from the club and say you to use your example they're they're in the car on the way back and the coach maybe has given them some pretty clear information or or some or some feedback on on areas that they need to improve and then you get into the car and, um, you know, your, your mom, your dad, your, your significant adult, um, kind of starts telling you what, maybe what they, what you, they feel you should have done or, um, what you did well or what you didn't do well, but that's actually in conflict as to what the coaching and, and the staff have been saying, um, just imagine how overwhelming that is for for a young player. You know that my sense is that they're going to have real um, mixed messages. They're going to be really struggling to understand what is right, and they're going to have this this battle in the, in their mind where you know they want to they want to impress the coach and they want to you know try and do what what's right what the coach feels is right but also they're not going to want to go against their their parents and the, and the, and the the, the people that they love the most in the world. Right. So um, my advice to parents is trust, trust the staff. Certainly I'm speaking for our environment here. Obviously, you know, um, I I trust our staff. Um, If my son was in our academy I would trust the coaches that he's working with to give him good information, and again, create that accountability for for them, and, and put it put it back onto them, and just listen, support, support, and challenge in a way that's not going to give them com- conflicting messages. And 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 I guess like the biggest message, and you know, this is really hard for people to hear, but you got to take your ego out of it. You hit the nail on the head. You know, if, if you're playing through your child trying to maybe achieve what you didn't achieve, um, or maybe what you did achieve and you want them to have the same thing. Um, it's a recipe for disaster. In, in my opinion, It causes all sorts of, of, of problems, um, not just in a football context, but for them in their life. So yeah, really, really clear messages to, to parents, um, would be, you know, um, Listen and support your your child as a parent. Don't try and coach him because you you, you your football philosophy. You might be a, you might be a coach. You might be a, you know you might be a a pro licensed coach with a with a son um, in a in an academy, but there's pro license coach with a football philosophy that's like this. And then there's a pro license coach with a football philosophy, which is like this. So if they're getting those conflicting messages, it's nothing to do with competence. It's all to do with context. So whatever the context of the Academy or the team that they're playing in, ultimately it's, it's the staff that drive that context, not the pet, not the parents. And I think it's always, if you are feeling frustrated or you don't agree with something, then my my advice would be to, like, respectfully go to the coach and and seek to understand what it is that they're trying to to do to help your to help your your son or daughter.
0: Is there any instances? You know, I'm not asking to name names or or, or anything, but is there any instances that you've been involved in where you can quite obviously see that the the player has been affected by you know the significant adult or the parents, and that's hindered their opportunities of of ultimately making it as a professional. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. I've, I've definitely experienced that, um, you know, on, on several occasions over during my time in the game. And, you know, just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not here. Um, having a pop at parents cause it's always, yeah, course, you yeah. know, like as a, as a parent myself, uh, I, I know how, how difficult it is. And, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong. And I certainly wouldn't sit here and tell anyone how to, how to how to parent their child what i would say is there there's probably better and worse ways of dealing with that situation you know in terms of man- managing a sorry a parenting a, a, a child that's that's in an academy um but it's it's really complicated you know everything's uh everything's a, a trade off so you know you might get for example I don't know if you've you've read um, Andre Agassi's book as an example. So Andre Agassi's um, writes about how you know his father you know used to get him out on the on the court every day, um, and he uh, he would hit thousands and thousands of tennis balls on on, on the court, um, and ultimately he came to to be one of the best tennis players in the world, right? Won loads of Grand Slams, so you could argue, well, that approach worked. He really pushed him. He drove him, um, you know, and, and, and the trade-off for that is for Andre Agassi. Now he, he, he speaks in his book and, you know, he hated it. He hated it. He hated, you know, the, the he used to call the tennis ball machine, the monster, you know, it was like a monster to him. He, like he feared it. It was horrible. Um, and, you know, he, he actually, didn't like tennis like he hated tennis which you just think what this, how can you comprehend that and i guess it's you know that's an extreme example of that's the trade-off the trade-off is yeah okay he was amazing tennis player but at what cost you know it's it's caused him huge um i guess psychological damage from from what you can interpret from the book so you know, I I certainly wouldn't want my my son to uh to experience anything like that.
0: Young players uh, who hopefully listen to this and obviously and, and parents included, um, will probably be wondering that aren't already in academies will probably be be wondering what are the minimum requirements to to be involved in, in say, you know, a category one Southampton youth team, even a, a, a Portsmouth category three youth team. Um being involved in an academy is obviously the holy grail for young players as to trying to try and aspire to become professional footballers. But I wonder if you could allude for us a little bit as to, you know, what you guys who are involved in that process talk about, you know, what scouts at the moment look for, how players can be attractive to those scouts. Because, um, you know, it, again, like I, I sort of need to acknowledge that there's no right or wrong and a scout can mm-hmm. see what he wants. But, but what is it that players can and should be doing if they want to, yeah, be involved in academies and ultimately aspire to be a professional?
1: Yeah. It's a it's a really, uh, a really, again, like a really difficult question to answer. I, th- I think, um, maybe for, if
0: I, just to try and make it easier then for you to answer yeah. is, is what are the minimum requirements for a Southampton Academy player?
1: Yeah. Um, I think you've got to have an outstanding attribute is what, is what I was going to say. So, so like, you, you you can't um if you haven't got a super strength or something that you can bring to the table which is you know really, really top. We we talk about Southampton in terms of like their their individual development plans. We we have, you know, what's your super strength? And your super strength is what gets you in the team. And then once you're in the team, that might be the eighteens team, might be the twenty threes, might be the first team, whatever. Once you're in the team, so your super strength gets you in the team. Well, now you're going to have to have a a level of competency for your key actions in your position that keeps you in the team, because you get in the team with what you can do, and then you and I know you get taken out of the team by by what you can't do, and what's uh, what's it really important. And then the third aspect to that is um, what we call your 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 must haves which is you know again to to be at southampton if anyone's seen our, our first team play or our you know um academy teams play you know we play um you know it's a run it's a running game so it's a pressing it's a counter pressing it's um you know fast attacking football is, is what we're striving for we might not always <laughs> might not always get that right but that's that's the that's the philosophy and that's what we're trying to trying to achieve. So um, for us, you know, running hard, sprinting, working hard um, is, is a must have because if you don't do that, you know, then you're going to be out of the team. So yeah, we talk about what, what gets me in the team is my super strength. What keeps me, what keeps me in the team and then ultimately what gets me to the next level. So um, you have to, you have to have a technical base, you you know, you have to be able to do brilliant basics for, for us. Um, you know, basically passing, we talk about them as basics. They're not basic. You and I both know they're not basic. Um, you, you know, your first touch, getting the ball in the right place, passing detail, range of passing, um, you know, being able to execute things that are, that are really key, key actions for, for your position on the pitch. um, you know against the ball if, if for example if you're a, if you're a, if you're a center back you know you need to be um aerially dominant you need to be able to defend the space in behind defend the space in front you need to be you know really strong 1v1 you need to have good spatial awareness so you know when if the ball goes wide you need to you need to know where your man is you need to know where you are on the pitch you know, you could go into all these things and these are these are all like the brilliant basics, right? <laughs> that's just the basics. So um, it's tough. It's really, really tough. But I think for for anyone that's out there that's. Um, playing grassroots or, or schools football and, and wants to play at a high level, you've got to show. You know, characters, so your body language needs to be on point, your. Respon- your responses to mistakes need to be good. You need to run hard. You need to work hard. You know, you need to show courage. And I don't mean courage just like going into like a, a brave 1v1 tackle. I'm talking about courage to get on the ball in, in difficult situations to help your teammates when when they need help, um, you know, and, and then ult- ultimately have an impact on the game. You've got to have an impact on the game because that's what that's what everyone's looking for, and the, and the thing you can't control is is you need a little bit of luck and you need to be in the right place at the right time.
0: That's certainly something you can't control. No, I mean I, I end up getting my opportunity in the first team because the club had an embargo on them, basically, I couldn't sign any players, and you know, talking to every other player, all their opportunities to to make debuts and to even when they're young and they train with the first team are off the back of injuries. Um, with mine, like a transfer embargo, like there was, uh, you know, players leaving and not being able to sign other ones. Like that, that word opportunity and and luck that you've just alluded to is, is massive, right? But how can like how can young players know that already? Uh, you know, how can they be ready for opportunity? How can they understand that luck plays a big part of it? You know, I've always sort of worked off the off the mantra of the harder you work, the lucky you get. But that, you know, that word luck, opportunity and being ready, how, how sort of important of a message is that that you give to your your young players?
1: Oh, it's crucial. You, you know, go back to, you know, jo, John Max one on, on on Kairos time. You don't know when it's going to come. So by that nature, if, if you don't know when your opportunity is going to come, you've got to be ready for it. How are you How do you make sure you're ready for it? By doing the right things all the time, every day. It's hard. It's hard to eat the right foods, to go to bed at the right time to train hard, to make sure you, you do your gym program fully rather than thinking I just leave those couple of reps at the end, or I just skip that, that set of, um, of weights or whatever it might be. There's countless examples Or I, you know, I'm, I, I, I fancy that I'm, I'm going to have that chocolate bar or that pint of Coke or whatever, which I know is not going to serve me in terms of what I'm trying to achieve, but, um, so you, you got to be you got to be ready in that regard, and also you have to have a a level of acceptance that you're not necessarily in control of when that opportunity comes as well. So it's like almost both things. You, you, you need to you need to have a have an acceptance of you, that you're not in control of everything. So therefore, what I am in control of have to make sure i do my level best to to control it so that's the that's the that's the balancing act because you know ultimately you could do everything in your power to get that opportunity to do everything you possibly can and it still might not come and that's the that's the really hard bit
0: just to finish mate you know i'm going to sort of fire some questions at you, but something I wanted to to touch on with you in a little bit more detail there that you've mentioned when you're talking about the minimum requirements of, say, a Southampton um, Academy player, Uh, these super strengths and the, you know, the things that players can work on. And I think for so often in in certainly in my young career, it was, right, you do that well, so we're going to focus a lot of time and energy on things that you don't. And as we both know, when you get into a first team, you only really get in that first team because of your super strengths, as you as you've said. Um, I know there's no, you know, there's no magic wand and there's no there's no secret recipe, but for a young player, how much time do you think should they split between yes, you, your super strength is this, say if you're a, a fullback at the moment, your super strength is crossing the ball, Trent Alexander Arnold, and he's struggling with his defending how much time would you tell that player to continue working at their strength is ultimately going to get them in the team uh, split with how much time should they work on their weaknesses that might get them out of the team? Mm.
1: It's tough, isn't it? It's really, it's really individual based. Um, I think it depends on, I I guess I'd say how far off are you? So if you're, if you're, miles off a key action, to use your example, so like my crossing's outstanding, but I keep getting beat 1v1 or I'm not defending the back post as a fullback, then the reality is you're probably going to have to spend more time on that. But I would argue that doesn't stop you from developing your your crossing ability. So I would say it, it depends on the importance of that action so if and the frequency and importance of which it occurs in the game, so for example, if I'm a fullback, like the the example that you've mentioned, if if I kept if I keep getting done at the back post and their their striker or their winger scores a header at the back post, it doesn't matter how good I am at crossing because that's a key action for my for my position. I have to be able to defend the back post. If I'm going up against a winger and he's delivering the ball nine times out of 10, does no matter how good I am at crossing because I'm going. I'm coming out. The, we we know you, you you're coming out the team, right? So it's about establishing what the priorities are for your position, how impactful they are on the game, the frequency in which they happen in the game, and then try and try and work with that. So if it's something that happens a lot, then you're probably going to need to practice it a lot, and if it's something that it's a key moment that's going to be really important. Then you want to practice it, but as close to the game and, and that pressure as you, as you can within a, within a, with the context of a, of a training session. So it might be that if you're really good at crossing, you limit yourself to, okay, I've got four opportunities to, to practice my crossing, but that's it Four, and if I shank the fourth one behind the goal, I'm done. I got to walk in. So now you're creating a little bit of pressure on yourself to to actually execute that. So it's not the pressure of playing in front of 80,000 say like but you still you're still putting yourself under pressure to to deliver in in that moment. Whereas you know you might go up against uh, a winger 1v1 sort of 15 20 times just to practice
0: that. Yeah, had an interesting take on it actually, that you know, put yourself under pressure by only doing a certain amount that you think you might do in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna finish off with the you I know, call them quick fires, Mikey, but I'm, you know, I'll ask you questions on, on each one if 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 necessary. But sure. the first one is is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
1: The best piece of advice that I've ever received. Everything is a trade off. Everything. Any decision you make has a trade off. There's no per- there's no perfect situation you, you cannot you, you know um, I use an example um, really extreme example let's say you um, you have children and you think right tell you what I'm going to be I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to spend all my time with um, my children now that sounds amazing like to, particularly for, for, for me like to be able to spend all day every day with my little boy it's like that'd be amazing okay, but now I don't earn any money. Now I um, don't have like an adult focus in my life. So ultimately the trade-off is I get to spend 24 hours, seven days a week with my little boy. Amazing. And I don't, I don't have any money. I don't, I don't have any, uh, any focus in my career and my job. So every like everything's a trade-off. That's an extreme, extreme example. So when you become aware of that and you accept that, it raises your level of awareness. So I make a decision. So I make a decision. And I'm like, that's a really good decision. I'm really pleased with that, but I have to be aware of the, the, the trade off or the blind spot that, that it might be. And I think that that's a really good thing that you can apply, you know, in, it's a bit like if, if you're a football coach to give a football coach example, you know, right. Okay. i tell you what, we're, we're losing the game. So I'm going to put, we're going to put another player up front. As an Example play with another striker. What's the trade-off? Or well, we've got less less of the back, right? To use a really simplistic example. So just being aware of whenever you make a decision, what's the trade-off? What are you trading off for that decision? And just check and challenge or, or get a, a critical friend to check and challenge whether that's whether
0: that's right. Yeah, that's good. Um, my second one is, uh, who is the most outstanding talent that you've ever worked with? And what was it about them that made them that
1: Um, I'm really, really fortunate to have worked with some like outstanding players. Um, I think, uh, I'll probably go with the example that I I generally use and, and people might kind of question this because he's, um, he's not, he's not yet gone on to, to play in the, in, in the Premier League. But I think, um, I worked with, with Connor Chaplin at Portsmouth, who's at Ipswich now. And I always pick Connor out because, you know, Connor's, um, small, which uh, is difficult when you're a footballer to try and make it. So, um, you know, a lot of people look to him and like, we'd, we'd go and play against teams and people would look at him and go like, oh, he's, He's only little like, oh, he's going to be, it's going to be really tough for him to, you know, to make it. And, you know, he, um, I wouldn't say he like, he, by his own admission, he wouldn't be, uh, be electrically, uh, you know, electric pace either. Um, but what he had was really brilliant basics, like solid technique. Um, and he had an unbelievable appetite to get better and to maximize what he did. Did have, you know? You'd have to pull him off the training pitch every day because he just want to do more and more finishing. So he, you know, bag of balls on his own, hitting the bottom corners day in day out. You know, go in the gym and he'd want he'd like how he'd be he'd pushing the stuff like, how can I get faster? How can I get stronger? You know, what do I need to do? Like, what can how can I maximize everything? I remember. I asked them to do like a self, the boys to do like a self-reflection sheet on after games. And, you know, it'd always make me laugh because you'd get the, you know, the lads are like, you, you know, you get the sheets back. Like how, how did you feel you played in the game? Good. You know, what was, what was your, what was the best moment in the game? Uh, oh, when I scored, you know, exactly. And, and he'd come back and you get like one word answers or one sentence answers from the majority of the group. And then I'd get, um, Connors and it would be like literally the the page would be filled with absolutely everything that he could possibly write down like in terms of what he'd reflected on and stuff so again if you talk about that that ability to make the most of what you've got day in day out like he he's a great example of that and you know he's gone on from uh, despite the barriers he's, he's he's had to to play you know, in the, in the in the championship, and 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 be part of really really successful teams. When you know he's um, yeah, he's 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 achieved a huge huge amount, and you know he's one that I look at. And I think, yeah, fair play, mate.
0: I can uh I can back that up uh, to a certain degree, Mikey, because um I spend a bit of time with Connor in the summer, so obviously like have this front foot um off season you know sessions that guys come to. And Connor can make it this summer, but without fail, every other summer he comes. Um not only is he a humble guy, really easy to talk to, um, he's by far probably the the best player that that, that comes to these sessions, but he's the most enthusiastic. And I know you know, I know for a fact I've got young guys who, who come to these sessions in, in sort of non league or, or football league environments They say Connor Chapman's a good player even in these off season sessions, he's pushing himself to the limits. He's driving standards. He's enthusiastic. And, um, and I've lined him up for this, uh, to be honest, you know, I'll get him on here. Um, I've got a little bit more insight now into, into his youth career. (laughs) So I'll be able to ask him on that, but no, he's, no, he's certainly, you know, first and foremost, a great guy. Mm. Um, And off the back of that, you know, a really good player. Yeah, for for sure. Uh, Second to last one, mate, is um, football has moved on so much for under 18 and youth players in the last 10 years. Where do you think it will be in ten years' time from now?
1: Really good question. Um, I can kind of uh, talk about this a little bit because um, we had a pro license um, event at Wembley before the the England Germany game, and we were looking at what does football look like in in twenty years' time. Um, it wasn't specific to to under eighteen, so I'll try and answer that. Um, I guess a bit um, a bit more specifically, but you know we as part of that process, we look back and what's changed in football and what could potentially change. And it's quite mind blowing really. Um, I think I will, I will share this because because it's interesting and it's not necessarily related to under 18s, but you'll see the impact that will have hopefully when, when, when I articulate it. So one of the things that um, I spoke about was how, you know, I believe we're up to 11 owners, uh, American owners in the premier league at this stage. And I think you need thirty. I, I, this this might not be absolutely correct, but the principle hopefully will will be accurate. Um, I think I believe you need 13, 13 clubs to vote on something to get it through. So, if there's a scenario where we we have two two more um, American owners in the Premier League, there's a real chance that that could have an impact on football in this country because there's such a, a huge market in the US for for the Premier League you know we could see some of the more kind of american style type um influences in in the sport so we might have you know um commercial breaks so the game might be broken up into say quarters for example um you might have more fan engagement where there's polls, you know, at grounds to say like, who, who should the manager bring on? Um, There might be players that specifically come on to take a set piece and then, and then come up with more substitutions, which we've already seen, you know, we've got, we've got more, more substitutions, you know, that's changed massively.
0: Um, That conversation, the all-star games has
1: been. Exactly. That's been, that's been banded around, you know, North V South, those sorts of things, which, you know, as, as probably as, as, as traditional football people, we go, yeah, come on, like that's never going to happen. Um, but if I would have said to you two, three years ago, you know, there's, there's going to be, um, you're going to be able to make five subs in a premier league game. You'd have probably gone. I'm not sure about that. It's happening. It's happening now. Um, so I think, um, what does that mean for us? It means that we have to prepare as best as we can players for those sorts of scenarios. We might have to start thinking about those, those sorts of things. Another really key topic is that, is there, you know, the research that's going on into, into dementia in, in heading, you know, it it, it seems, um, it seems ludicrous to think of a, a, a game of football where, where you're not allowed to head the ball but if the research and 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 the evidence suggests that this is really damaging people's health and their lives to a point where it's you know un- unacceptable then we may see we may see a situation where you, you you know you're not allowed to head the ball in a game or or maybe you're only allowed to head it in both boxes so what does that mean for a for a, for a goalkeeper taking a goal kick and the team like how do you handle that so so like and you can say these things will never happen, and but you know the back pass rule came in ages ago, and um, it's really interesting. You watch some footage in the first game of when the back pass rule came in, and goalies literally didn't know what to do. They're sort of like going up and down, and trying to pick the ball up, or they don't know where to kick it, or um, so. And uh, uh, maybe when the the talk of that was happening, maybe you just spend a little time, you know, going like, okay, so if this happened, like, how would you how would you deal with it? you know, how would we practice? You know, what would it look like? Um, So it's, it's fascinating. Um, And, and I think you can get tied up in knots with it, with it all. But I think just, just making, making people aware and and having one eye on the future and what that might look like um, and how that, how that drives your and influences your practice is probably pretty sensible.
0: Uh, And finally, my, is um, of course what is the best piece of advice for young players now aspiring to become professionals
1: Um, I'm going to go with a really left field one Um, hear me out on it Um, I would advise them to uh, meditate every day Um, reason being I think that in this day and age we're constantly connected you're you know, young people these days, they they live on, in, through their smartphones. They're constantly engaged. They're constantly stimulated. Um, and, you know, that really limits your ability to reflect properly. It really limits your ability, your your, your um, proclivity for, for creativity. So I think having that moment of space, um, you know, sit for 10 minutes every day, start the day reset reconnect um and i think that it can have a profound impact on 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 your on your training on your on the way you approach things on your ability to deal with setbacks just just everything really i mean that would be my that would be my bit of advice to to any anyone in in life um and particularly these like i say these young people that are that are constantly constantly stimulated and engaged because ultimately if you want to be successful, you have to deal with the present moment. You have to be present. And if you're in the past or in the future, you're not going to give the, the best account of yourself. And, and, you know, there's, there's countless studies that show, you know, by meditation, mindfulness, you can develop your brain to be able to be more present the more present you are, you know, the more opportunity you give yourself to, to be successful. Because if I'm on a football pitch and I'm receiving the ball and I'm thinking about the pass that I've given away previously or, you know, the the mistake that I might make, I'm the chances are I'm not in the moment. I'm not I'm not in the game. I'm probably going to mess it up. Whereas if I've got an ability to stay present throughout a game where there's chaos and, and almost kind of yeah, be in that moment and be, uh, uh, you know, as, as one in that, um in that situation, then I've got a chance to, to be, to be successful. So meditation, there you go.
0: Superb advice, Mikey. Listen, uh, one, I appreciate you inviting me into your house, mate, into your, you know, your nice little office here in the garden. <laughs> um, second, incredibly grateful that you've allowed us you know insight into your your opinions and your advice mate because i think you know i myself am already looking forward to listening to this back um and i know for sure that there's so many key takeaways and massive messages that both players parents uh anybody involved in football has an interest in football that will be have to take away for themselves so thank you very much yeah, mate i
1: hope it i hope it helps someone if it, if it helps one person that's been worth it sure it will thank you mikey cheers joe thanks mate